Well, we want to tell you a little bit more because you know what? There's power in, in testimony. Uh, and there's also just something special about, uh, doing our, the, our best possible way to share with you, uh, what we experience because this is a connection with, with our church, with, with all of our hearts in, in many ways. And so whether this is your first time to hear about Poland, uh, or whether this is your, you know, 17th time to hear testimonies about Poland, uh, we invite you to just kind of sit back and receive. There's only three of us, so, uh, I'm going last. So y'all can figure out who's going to go first. Let's give it up for Shane. Woo! Okay. So as some of y'all know, we went to Poland. And um, Poland's never been an option. <clears throat> Get my hand settled so I don't rattle the mic. Uh, Poland's always been a never been an option to me. I've always wanted to go to Poland. I've always felt led to go to Poland. But it's always been in either late January or early February. And in business, you know, that's that's a tough time to go away from work for 10, 15 days, whatever the trip has been in the past. So that, that was a struggle for me every year. Um, I wanted to go. I felt led to go. Um, I felt prepared to go. But I couldn't go. This year was not any different. <laughs> January rolls around, and I'm like, there's no way. Or, or towards the end of the year, there's no way I can take away. We've got new contracts starting. We've got new projects starting. We've got a company that's selling. Um, I mean, there's so many things going on. Um, and I was like, there's no way I can leave for a whole week and two extra days on top of that. But I felt really strongly in my spirit that uh, I needed to go. And for a while, I I have struggled, um, tell you the truth. Um, I have really put work ahead of my my spiritual conditioning. I have really focused on building my career, building a company. And, I mean, I'll listen to worship music on the way to church, on the way to church. Yeah, once a week, twice a week. I'll listen to worship music on the way to work, on the way back. You know, I'll listen to worship music. I'll pick up my Bible every once in a while, I'll read a scripture. Um, I see a prayer request. I'll pray. I mean, I was basically, if you can imagine a garden, I'm tending my fences. I'm making sure that no little rabbits get in. I'm going through and I'm picking a couple of weeds here and there. But... I'm not watering my garden. I'm not feeding my garden. I'm not going through and picking the dead branches off that need to be picked off. I'm going through and I'm just tending my relationship with God. And I've been in that place for a long time. And when you're in that place, you don't feel, you don't feel like you would if you have a relationship with God. I mean, I have a relationship with God, but I don't have a strong relationship with God. I didn't get in the Word. I didn't get that quiet time. I didn't wait to hear from God. I did most of the speaking for God, to tell you the truth. 
So going on this trip, it was, it was a real struggle for me spiritually because I, I felt like I was just going, I was, you know, fake the funk and, you know, uh, you know, fake it till I make it type deal. And I mean, I went to Poland in a bad place to tell you the truth because my wife, I watch her get on her face and, you know, do the work and have that quiet time and, um, you know, get in the word and, you know, I feed off her quite a bit spiritually. Like, okay, that's good. I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that from me, you know. And thank you for feeding me, but that's not what I should have been doing. I, I should have been getting that for myself. So going in, going to Poland, you know, I, I struggled the first couple of days. You know, I felt I felt good. I was able to, you know, pray for a couple of people. You know, it was going good. And then I just crashed. It's just like. Boom, something happened between Katie and I. We just kind of, you know, we bumped heads and had disagreement, and I just spiraled. I was like, I look back, and I'm like, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not this team player. I'm not this person that's supposed to be giving these other people words of it, you know, from the Lord and these spiritual advice, and um, I don't have it. I'm here. I'm in the wrong place. I just want to leave. I just want to go. I hit rock bottom. And I was like, I told Katie, I said, you know, honestly, I see God loving you. I see God loving John. I see God loving Ashley. But I don't feel love from God. I mean, I truly, at that moment, didn't feel love for God. Like, I'm just ready to give up. I'm like, supposed to be on this mission trip trying to help other people, but I can't even help myself. So that night was pretty rough. (laughs) Um, And here I am, you know. People helped me get to Poland, and uh, I felt bad about that. I mean, like, you know, it was like the, the financial portion of getting to Poland was amazing. It was a miracle, and I couldn't see that at the time. But uh, so I suck it up because I'm a man. I'm from the USA. I'm just supposed to suck it up and be a tough guy and uh, supposed to be grateful for what I have because – a lot of people in Poland don't have what I have and blah, 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 you know. So I suck it up and I'm going to go down there. I'm just going to do my best. That day, I'm sitting there wallowing my misery and we have a Polish speaker. And we've had Polish speakers all week, but we understand when they say, okay, that's about all we get out of the whole message. They look at the crowd and go, okay, and I understand that they're saying, okay. So, and then one of the ten Polish words I learned on Duolingo, I hear that every once in a while, you know. But uh, he is or she is, that's about all I get out of it. Um, so, this Polish speaker comes in, and I'm expecting, okay, we're going to sit through another Polish speaker, and, you know, maybe the Spirit will speak to us. And in walks in Peter, our interpreter. He wasn't supposed to be there until John spoke, which was, you know, 30 minutes later. He somehow got the wrong time. And he was there 30 minutes earlier to translate the message that I went to Poland to hear. And right then I knew, you know, God does love me. I'm where I'm supposed to be. And then John gave his, you know, John preached. And I mean, I just like hammered it, nailed it home. 
And it's like, you know, I wouldn't have been able to receive what John had if it hadn't have been for the, the first speaker. So, I mean, that was amazing. So, there's that. So now I know I'm supposed to be in Poland. I know I'm where I'm supposed to be. Things are better. Things are looking up for me. I'm not ready to book another flight home and just give up on the whole thing. Um, so I start here and I start listening and I hear all these amazing things. Uh, I mean, just the, like, you know, John shared the lady that was rapping, you know, she was just, you know, her whole heart was there. I mean, we, we didn't understand a word she rapped, but she was, she was adamant about it. I mean, she, she, she knew what she was doing. She, she believed in what she was doing. Um, and then redemption was kind of what I came home with. I saw a country that was under an invasion from another country that all they wanted to do was do evil. The church we went to, Myrick's church, was occupied by German soldiers. Their town was occupied by German soldiers. The, t- the town that we visited, uh, Krakow, it was, in, it was occupied by German soldiers. They murdered tens of thousands of people. And you walk through Poland now, and you wouldn't know that. You wouldn't know that if you didn't go to the museums or if you didn't go, if you didn't know about Auschwitz or you didn't know the history. And, you know, and I've had a couple of people, you know, I, I work in the oil field and I come back and like, oh, did you learn any Polish jokes? And I'm like, you know, the whole time I was thinking over there, it's like, you know, the stereotype of, of Poland or Polish people is like, they're, it's a stupid people. You know, the Polish jokes are so asinine to me now. It's like, these people were taken advantage of. They were fooled. They were absolutely like cut off by the knees. And that's not stupidity. That's, that's evil coming in. So, I mean, I've had to come against some of those people like, Hey, you know, I don't, I don't partake in that. I don't see that. And I explained to them, like, this is, this is what happened. But, um, so redemption. I saw redemption in my own life, and I see redemption in Poland. And on top of that, on and in, in, in the lines of redemption, um, you know, you heard John talk about Billy, um, uh, Billy and Shelley. Billy and Shelley are over there. They're giving English language, English lessons to people there, and it's not just church people. It's people from the town that they may not be Christians. But they're coming in for English lessons, and Billy and Shelley are able to, you know, share their their gospel, their love for God, and what Jesus has done for them. You know, Shelley was adopted from China, and there's redemption there. She was from. I hope I'm not stealing anybody's testimony. She was from a orphanage that had a dying room. When the children, there was no hope for these children, they just put them in this dying room. And she was in this dying room when she was adopted. So, I mean, redemption, once again. Um, Billy has been able to talk to people in the community. And he has been given a revelation for the church. That Mark's church was a place for, once again, redemption. But 
it was a place for people to come when they were struggling with alcoholism, when they were struggling with drugs. They were coming there and they were getting saved. Jesus was doing a work on them. And that's an amazing thing. There, there's so much redemption there. But because of that, and they didn't, they didn't realize this, but Billy found out through the community that that church now has a stigma for being a church for alcoholics. That's where the alcoholics go. That's where the drug users go. Because that's, it's, it's, it's more of a rehabilit- rehabilitation church in the eyes of the community. It's not a, it's not a place to community, you know, fellowship for Jesus. And that's what it is. It's a place of, of hope and redemption and a place to meet Jesus. And because Billy has come, because God has called Billy to this church, now Myrick and Slavic, they know this now. They know this stigma of their church. They would have not known anyways. But they are making, they're striving to change that image to bring more people into the church. So I don't know if I changed anybody's lives while I was in Poland, but they sure changed mine. Um, so this trip was a redemptive trip. And I didn't have a word for the year. I did. I mean, I, I came up with a word for the year, which is still a good word, but I think my new word for the year, or in addition to the word I had, is redemption. So, um, and with that, um, my new scripture is Psalm 63, and I'd like to read that to y'all. And this is through the, the Passion Translation. Uh, Thirsting for God. For the pure and shining one, King David's song, when he was exiled from okay oh god my life i'm lovesick for you in this weak weary wilderness i thirst with the deepest longings to love you more with cravings in my heart that i can't that can't be described such yearning grips my soul for you my god i'm energized every time i enter your heavenly sanctuary to seek more of your power and drink in more of your glory for you your tender mercies mean more to me than life itself. How I love and praise you, God. Daily I will worship you passionately and with all my heart. My arms will wave to you just like banners of praise. That's awesome. My arms will wave at you like banners of praise. This reminds me of, oh, that's amazing. I overflow with praise when I come before you. For the anointing of your presence satisfies me like nothing else. You are such a rich banquet of pleasure to my soul. I lie awake each night thinking of you, reflecting on how you will help me like a father. I sing through the night under your splendor shadow, offering up to you songs of delight and joy. With passion I pursue and cling to you because I feel your grip on my life. I keep my soul close to your heart. Those who plot to destroy me shall descend into darkness of hell. They will consume by their own evil and become nothing more than dust under your feet, under our feet. These liars will be silenced forever, but with anointing of a king, I will dance and rejoice along with all his lovers who trust him. Ah, thank you all. Thank you. You know, one thing I appreciate about Shane as his wife comes up is, uh, is his transparency. And Shane, that's powerful that, that you were able to share 
you know, what really happened and how God did a breakthrough in your heart. Uh, so I appreciate that. I just want you to say I, I really appreciate that transparency. And, uh, you know, sometimes, you know what, when you go on a mission trip and you're married, guess what? You're still married when you go on a mission trip and you're a businessman and you have, you know, issues in your life that you dealt with. Hey, guess what? They don't magically disappear. Sometimes that's where God says, Hey, I get you away and we're going to, we're going to deal with some of them. So it's awesome. So. Okay. Mine's kind of long too. I'm sorry. Um, it's good. Uh, so in the physical, I'll talk about that first. Uh, we were, we went, this is my third trip. Uh, I got to see all my people I loved. Um, it was awesome, uh, to reconnect and, you know, your third year there, you, you really, like John said, it's, you cultivate those friendships and those relationships. And so like, they're like my family, my extended family. And we got new family members with Billy and Shelly and, um, there's new directors over the camp, uh, Swavik and Vieta, his wife, were the ones that were over it before. The last time I was there, John and Ashley last year got to meet Dominic and Tomic, um, who are the people that are running the camp now. And that was their first year. This is their second year. And so it was uh, a new transition for me. Uh, they don't speak English. So that language barrier is definitely um, a hindrance in getting to cultivate that. So it was a new experience, even though I'd already been and did that. So we, Shane and I, um, and John and Ashley, we had the ministry of games a lot. Um, and so we got to play all different kinds of games. You saw the videos of it and, um, uh, you know, got to love on all our people, got to eat all the cake, got to eat all the ponchki, like, you know, your typical stuff. But, uh, so that was the physical, uh, the spiritual and emotional, and I'm, I wrote it down because I don't want, like, it's so big, and I don't want to miss anything, and I will. But uh, so uh, at the beginning of the year, we did the 21 days of fasting and prayer, you know, and it was the idea of the whole church taking the whole gospel to the whole world. Um, and that has just been stirring in me since we've done that. And um, we were flying over, um, and we were going and landing in Houston, uh, it, it was so massive. You know, you see all the houses and all the cars and all the people, you know, and I think I was sitting by the window and I'm just always amazed when you fly into a big city to see all so much going on. There's just so much activity. And, um, I was like, uh, you know, I noticed it. I took note of it. Um, but then we flew into, uh, Munich and as we were flying into Germany, it was like the same thing. It was like all the houses and all the cars and, um, just all the people and like the, the idea of how big the world is, like just really like struck me. Like this is just like ginormous. Like this whole place is, the whole world is in, like I can't even comprehend. Like it's so big. Um, and then we're flying in to, uh, Bratswaff and, uh, I saw this picture and it was like these trees and if anybody wants to see it it's a really cool picture it's like a mountaintop and then there's these trees that are like following the ridge line and then there's these these open spaces and it looked um like veins running along the ground like your veins in your the back of your hand and i felt god say that um he said this is a system for the whole church to take the whole gospel to the whole world and it's all connected and it's in place already, and it's working. 
Um, and so it was just encouraging to me, like that, like this is, this is like the picture, all these people, all the things, like it, it's, it's alive and it's working and we get to be a part of it. Um, and then he talked, uh, like he showed me a lot of stuff about the kingdom of heaven and some different things. And like, uh, you know, in his church, like some people are living from that place, um, of the kingdom of heaven, like, you know, they're walking and talking and breathing and, you know, doing exchanges in the kingdom of heaven. And then some of us are not. And, um, I'm one of those people, you know, that like I'm back and forth, um, depending on the day, depending on the situation, whether I'm stressed, whether I'm in a hurry. And that's another thing he's been dealing with me. I've been reading this book called the ruthless elimination of hurry and just about how, um, hurry and the hustle, gets us distracted from the kingdom, you know, and Jesus wants us to Sabbath and to take things slowly. You know, that that's his way of doing it is slow. Jesus is never fast. He's always on time, but it never comes quickly usually. And so there's something about going slow. And so when I get in that hurry, I get out of the kingdom. But when I slow down and take it, and that's what this trip was, it was like the slowing down. It was the calming, you know, walking with Jesus. Um, and so as we prepared to leave too, and like while we were there, there were just a lot of crazy attacks and things that happened in our family. You know, Shane and I got into it one night, like you said, and it was just like this, like I got sick, like there were just lots of different attacks, but uh, it was interesting. God was showing me with each thing um, how to remain and abide in him in that season. Like that's how the kingdom operates is you have to abide there. I have to live there. I have to camp out there when those things happen and not be in hurry. And when I can abide, then I can walk in the kingdom and then I have peace and then I can respond to each thing that needs to be responded appropriately. Um, and of course it helps when you have corporate worship every morning and every night, you know, to have that abiding place. But you know what? At home, you, in the mornings, like Shane says, every morning, like I have my worship music on, I'm on my face, you know, at night I can do the same thing. Like we all the time can create that environment wherever you're at. You can start that slowing and you can create that environment so that you can abide there. Um, uh, um, as I stayed pressed to him in worship, um, so the thing with Shane and I, we'd gotten into it and I was like, you know what? I can't, I need to go abide. I got to go abide. So I went downstairs and got in worship and, uh, one of the things like, you know, I'm just on my face, like, Lord, how do I do this? Like what, 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 how do I, how do we break through in this situation? And, um, he just was like, you know, don't worry about Shane. Shane can take care of himself. You know, you worry about you. So I'm just pressing in. And uh, so I'm just like on my face seeking him. And he shows me this crazy picture of this vein system that was like neon white, like all through my body. And he said, this is your system of rejection. And... um that's one of the things I said to Shane, we've been in marriage counseling, you know, and my first thing is like, okay, that's it. We're going to divorce. Like I'm done. Reject you. It's over. Goodbye. And, um, 
And that not, like, that's one of the things I went to. And he's like, why do you have to reject me? And so anyways, we're back to this. And so God's like, you just have this spirit of rejection running through you. And um, I always viewed it as something that I... I was the one being rejected and I was the only one affected by it. You know, like I, it's in, you know, it's just me. But then God showed me because I have that in me, I also reject other people and I hurt other people with my rejection um, because that's how I operate. And so um, I did, you know, I repented and all of this and just like, uh, you know, took care of it with the Lord And as I did that, like, I just saw him, like, rip out that whole entire vein system out of my body. And it was absolutely, like, I feel completely free of rejection, of being rejected from people and rejecting others. Like, it is just, and this is something I've dealt with my whole entire life. So that was an absolute miracle. I'm so thankful for that. Um, And he also, like, through several other things that had happened, he showed me like, you know, it says freely we've given freely, you know, freely receive, freely give. And so that works both ways. So as we just like the rejection thing, you know, I walked in that, I had that on me. So that's what I gave out, you know, but it doesn't have to be that way. Like, you know, um, what we're walking in, like if we're walking in faith, you know, then we give out faith. But if we're walking in fear, we're going to give out fear. And if we're walking in love, you know, then we give out love. But if we're walking in shame, we're going to give out shame. And so we have to check ourselves to see what we're giving out, you know, and to realize that, hey, if I feel like this is affecting me, then that's probably what I'm giving out to other people. And just to kind of have that awareness, uh, that look in the mirror, like, hey, you know, I just feel like this is, you know, against me or whatever. But to really take that and be like, hey, you know, how am I how am I dispersing that to other people and make sure that we're not, you know, pouring out things that are not of the kingdom of heaven on people. Let's make sure that, you know, that we're pouring out the kingdom of heaven on people. Um, so if we abide in his kingdom, then we get to give away all the good stuff and get rid of all the bad like I did. Um, we have to remain abiding in him. And uh, we can't get stuck in the small details and the hurry because that's what pulls us out of the kingdom. Um, then we got to tour uh, a small castle, and it was really a mansion, but they kept calling it a castle. Uh, and we listened to all of these names of the histories, of the years, of all the people, of all the descendants, of all the wars, of all the battles. And then we visited the big, huge castle in Krakow, you know, and... Uh, Again, more names and histories and, you know, this ruler and yada, yada, just all the things. And um, God showed me that um, all of those kingdoms fell. Like those rulers, those people that inhabited that land, you know, they fought hard to keep their territory. They fought to, you know, keep their honor. And... They're a name in a history book, a name on a tour, on a piece of paper, but it means nothing. Um, yet Jesus' kingdom is a kingdom that will last forever. And even though, even today, although we don't fight over lands and territories like they did, we fight in other ways. We still try to build our kingdoms, be that at work or with friends, and we try to live, leave a legacy, but one day it won't matter. 
just like the castles and those people, it doesn't matter because we're all going to be dead and gone. We're returning to dust. Um, And uh, they all have names attached, but none of that matters and no one really cares. And no one's really going to care about our name or what we did. The only name that has significance and meaning today that is withstood is Jesus. That's the only name that's stood um, and lasted. And it's the only name that is still productive today. It's the only name that matters. And his kingdom is the only kingdom that matters. And it was just like, so like, wow, like, you know, we do all this hustle for what? Like, you know, we need to be working doing the hustle for the king, kingdom of God, because that's the only thing that lasts. Um, and one more thing about the castles, and um, they would have, you know, we got to see the city gates, you know, that went around the squares. And um, each city would have its a trumpeter to alert everyone when the city gates were closing in the evening. So all the people out in the fields would know it's time to come in before the gates shut. And I found it so fascinating that Jesus is coming back with a trumpet sound. Like that the, the gates of the city are going to be closed at the trumpet sound. And so we have got to be about the Father's business. We have to be in the kingdom of God business. We don't have time to be, you know, dwelling outside of the kingdom of God because it doesn't matter. In 20 years, it's not going to matter what you wore or who you were, what car you drove or what house you lived in, you know, in a hundred years, it's really not going to matter, but his kingdom is going to matter. The legacy, we get to be a part of the vein system of the kingdom of God, taking the whole gospel to the whole church, um, the whole church, taking the whole gospel to the whole world. And it's working and we get to be part of that if we choose to. So my takeaway is I need to abide in him and be attentive to build his kingdom and not my own. And he must become greater and I must become less. Wow, I feel like I just followed my wife there. Oh my gosh, that was like, <laughs> that was, that was phenomenal. I just went on the tours, uh, and was like, man, that was kind of boring. Um, <laughs> No, really, that was, that was, that was phenomenal. Uh, hey, here's the thing. When God calls you on a mission trip, uh, you are gonna give, but you're also gonna receive. Uh, just God, He just, He doesn't waste anything. You know, when Jesus fed the 5,000, He said, hey, even though Jesus can make more food, right? He said, pick up all the pieces. Every, everything. Every single piece. That's, that's on the ground. We're going to pick it up because we're not going to waste anything. So God, when you, when you follow God, when you're following the Lord, He's not going to waste anything. So you're like, Hey, I'm going to give. I'm going to do this stuff. And both of them did give and they did, did things and they prayed for people and all kinds of things and loved on kids. And, uh, but you know, they were also receiving. And so I appreciate y'all being great models for that. Um, and I just want to say that that, that Katie just—I I really feel like the Lord is um, just raising up your voice to be able to to minister out of the freedom that God is giving you, and that you do that in a, a very very good way. Uh, Katie was able to 
partner with Ashley because we were the official guest speakers, but we, we, we brought Katie up. She had the idea of, of teaching on shame and bringing her testimony of freedom from shame. Uh, several years ago when we were in Poland, you did the one on fear. So I don't know if you're going back about rejection or <laughs> who knows. Uh, but that was really a, a breakthrough morning. Uh, I mean, Ashley and Katie together were like, whew, it was like the, the, the dynamic duo. Um, but there were some kids that, that needed that freedom from shame that morning. And that was, that was a real, it, it was just five of them. Like what we prayed for, like what five or six of them came forward and were brave enough to, to stand up and say, I need to pray for this. And I'm like, you know what? You're going to, you're going to receive something because of your courage to, to reach out and grab what God has. And that was a, to me, that was a real point of breakthrough was, you know, just being obedient and also us walking in honor and under authority and just just doing what uh, we had to do. There was a, a lot of freedom that happened. Um, I will just close with this um, and 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 say the one thing that that the Lord really highlighted with me is actually I actually preached even kind of preached a message about it on, on the Wednesday night at camp was is the power of one person. Uh, I mean, sometimes in, in Poland, here's what you do. Let me tell you about this mission trip. You're staying in like a nice room, like a hotel. Uh, you have all your meals served to you. You get to eat lots of cake and dessert all day, all night, whenever you want to. Uh, you're just, you're just chilling. I mean, it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't feel like a mission trip. You're like, you know, even Shane's like, where's the work? I'm like, this is it, man. You sit around and have cake and talk to people. <laughs> it's a dream come true. Mission trip. Awesome. Uh, but sometimes over the table of cake or dinner or lunch or whatever, people start telling you their stories. And so we got to sit with like Billy and Shelly, this, this young couple, uh, dynamic dual, duo from, uh, you know, from Christ for the Nations. Uh, and their story is like, you know, we're, we're eating soup and then we're almost like done eating soup, you know, because they're like, Shelly's like, I was in the, you know, like a Shane reference, right? I was in the dying room in China. You're like, you know, my wife is practically about to just lose her, all her emotions. Just, you know, we're, we're thinking just that reality. I mean, you can read stories, but then you've got someone sitting right across from you that says, when I was born, I was put in a room to die. And there was one lady, we don't know how or why, but she somehow got in that room and she rescued Shelly from that room. There's a couple in the United States of America who are in their 40s. They hadn't had any kids. They weren't planning to have any kids. And then God said, they felt a stirring in their heart that said, you need to adopt a child from China. And so a girl is rescued by one person from a dying room, and then God moves upon a couple in the United States. I don't remember where where they were from, did she say? California. I'm from there too, so it's good. Um, but I've disowned it now. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so this couple gets this call, and so they end up adopting Shelly and her sister, uh, who is also, I don't know if she was in the room or not, didn't get that part of the story, but so they adopt them, uh, and so they, they are the ones that took in, they ended up adopting what, five kids? Five, 
five total or six? Five or six children they ended up adopting from China uh, and then raised them after they were 40 and not going to have kids because of one couple that was obedient to Jesus. Now, Billy's story is just as like, because Billy looks like, if, if you saw Billy in there, I mean, he's the other white guy waving his hand with a black shirt in that one message. I mean, Billy looks like, you know, he's like, hey, I'm from Dallas, I went to CFNI, and I'm thinking, man, you're just like me, you grew up in the church, and you went to Bible college, and you're like, and he's like, no, when I was nine years old, I was, I was addicted to drugs, and I was living on the streets, I was homeless and sleeping in the slides of the playground. His body is covered in scars because he cut himself so much. I mean, he's, he literally showed us a picture where he, he's cut everywhere on his body. His mom hated him and totally rejected him. His stepdad was horrific to him and all kinds of stuff, so he fled. I don't remember what age he fled at. It was not quite nine. It was a little bit later, but whatever. Um, and so he's telling his testimony while he's speaking. We're like, oh, hello. And so somehow he got into Teen Challenge. I'm just, just skip, cut to the chase. Not, you know, he just, you know how you can get court ordered to Teen Challenge. So he's just, he's just there. You know, he's not, it's not like, oh, I want to get free. It's like somehow his mom, it was his mom, right? His mom, who is an atheist and hates God and wants nothing to do with Christianity, somehow got him into Teen Challenge for some reason. Maybe she didn't know what it was. Who knows? So he gets in Teen Challenge, he's like, this is, I'm not gonna do any of this stuff. And so, you know, as, if you're part of Teen Challenge or you've known about Teen Challenges, they go, they go to church. <laughs> they go visit church. So he goes to visit church, he steps foot into the church building. When he, his foot touches the ground, he's delivered instantly from his drug addiction. Instantaneously. He said, I was totally free, I've never gone back. And so, um, later on, several years later, just continuing the power of one, is um, Billy wants to go to Christ for the Nations. And so he, does, he hasn't broadcast that publicly, but he's on, he's on Twitter, which for all you old people is a social media thing where you post your little thoughts in just a short 140 characters, um, very super left-leaning. Uh, so if you want to read what, you know, left political stuff is, it's on Twitter. Uh, I mean, they're super right there too, of course. But anyway, there's a lot of extreme stuff. But anyway, he's got his Twitter account. And so this guy messages him on Twitter and says, hey, can I talk to you? And so they start messaging him. And he has not posted anything about his intentions online. He's not really, you know, he's talked about it maybe with close friends. And this guy says, hey, I feel like I want to, I want to pay your way to go to Christ for the Nations. Found him on Twitter from a random Twitter post. And this one guy, this is what I'm talking about, one person's radical obedience to Jesus. This one guy paid for Billy's whole schooling, $30,000 through Christ for the Nations. He flew out and met him several times. He'd show up and notice that his jeans weren't looking super good and says, let's go shopping. Let's go, we're going to go buy you a bunch of new clothes, five pairs of jeans, you know, a bunch of shirts and stuff, and just funded him all the way through. Never met the guy in his life. And now, of course, while Billy, did they meet? They met at CFNI, right? So Billy meets Shelly at CFNI, and they get married, and they have a call to missions. Uh, they want to go to Asia, but 
they run into Mark and hear about this opportunity. They couldn't go where they wanted to go, and so they end up in, you know, saying, we'll go ahead and go to Europe. We'll commit to there for two years. And so now they're there being the one person for somebody else. You know, they might be the one where they're teaching somebody English to some kid who has no clue about the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they're going to be the witness of Jesus as they're teaching them English. Who who knows what God can do? He can do it with one person. The same thing happened. I, I I thought about this later. If you don't know the story of Pastor Mark, the book back there, we have his book. We probably have a couple of them back there. When God sent grace to the Soviet Gulag, is Pastor Mark's father was sent to Siberia of the prisons of Russia, and one man showed up there and led him to Jesus. And because of that one man, when he got out of prison and came back to Poland, uh, Pastor Marek's father established the church there, and there has been, you know, fruitfulness that has gone on through their generations uh, because of one man's obedience in a Siberian prison to love Jesus and to speak the truth of Jesus. So I was just like, whoa. Hey, and you know what? We've all had a lot of one persons in our life, right? You've had, you've had the one person that just really influenced your life or at the, they were just at the right moment where they come and speak into your life. And so we have the opportunity at all times to be that one person. And all it takes is obedience to Jesus. You've got to be able to hear what Jesus is saying to you and you've got to say, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and do it. Uh, whether I feel like it or not, whether I want to or not, uh, whether I'm in a good, whether I've had a good day with my wife or my spouse, or you know, whether whether I had a fight with my kids, uh, am I going to be obedient to Jesus? Because what if my one act of obedience changes someone's life that'll change generations down the line? Because that's how the kingdom of God works. So I'll stop there. We, we prayed for a bunch of kids. We did a bunch of stuff. There's that, 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 those, those kids can worship like no other. Man, we have service and we're like, we're going to worship Jesus for just another hour. <laughs> and they go off and you know, I know all the Polish songs because we sing them so much, right? Shane, Shane probably even learned them too. Like you go back several years. They had some new ones this year. It's like, oh yeah, there's a new one. Um, but they, they just, they get in the presence of God and they, they can't get enough of Jesus. And so something's stirring there just because, you know, their hunger for God is going to bring a a release and breakthrough. Uh, Poland is still, you know, a country that's just in, you know, since the late 80s coming out of communism, coming out of uh, oppression. Uh, And so the church is very comparatively uh, in many ways young. And so there, there's a, there's a birthing and a stirring and a moving in Poland. So pray, so pray for the nation of Poland to, uh, you know, to see the gospel continue to be released. Some of those kids are probably the only, they might be the only Christian in their whole entire school, which is for Texas. We're like, what in the world? You know, we got Bible clubs. We got all kinds of stuff. We can go pray at the pole. We can do all this stuff. We can, you know, sometimes even still pray at football games. Couldn't do that in California, by the way. Um, and, uh, even way back when but you know that's that's foreign to them so these kids that we get to love on and encourage they might go back to a family that doesn't even know jesus they might go back to a community where there's there's nothing as we said mark's church is the only uh spirit-filled evangelical church in their in their village um there there's there's no other there's no other church and so there's no other church that's bringing the life and the power of the the word and the spirit in that in that community and they're affecting other communities as well so pray 
continue to pray for them. Uh, thank you once again for sending us there and for praying for us and for uh, just being a part of, of supporting us and taking care of all the stuff in the church while we were gone. Man, you guys are awesome. I heard from families everywhere. You know, we had two funerals and people in the hospital and people doing this or that. So, hey, you guys rock. Uh, all of you are amazing people. You're an amazing church family. So let's keep, let's keep being that one person and look out for opportunities where God calls you to step out and be that one person. So let's stand and we'll close uh, this meeting today. Father, we just, we just honor you and we thank you for this opportunity to encourage one another and to, to give testimony about what you are doing in our lives and testimony about what you are doing all around the earth. Lord, that we are not alone, that we are not, uh, it's not just all about us, that we are connected to someone and something that is far greater. And so thank you for that realization, God, that you would re- remove the perspective, Lord, where we, we would have such a small view that we can only see what's going on in our lives. God, help us have a bigger view where we can look to you and then you can show us things. God, you'll reveal things, Lord. We're, when we're in ordinary places, you'll, you'll begin to reveal things to us. You'll begin to speak to us, Holy Spirit, because you're always speaking to us. And so we invite you to minister to us. Help us, help us know that our obedience is not just for us. That our obedience is not just for us. The, the stakes are really high, God, that, that when we obey you, God, it can affect all kinds of things down the road. We don't know what just our one step of obedience will mean. And so thank you for giving us courage and giving us strength and giving us clarity as we take those steps and honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.